Welcome back to the Metric Stack Podcast. Today's guest is Alex Nazarovich. He's the VP of Growth Marketing at Unbounce, a landing page builder company that combines 10 years of conversion data with the power of what else? AI. Today, we'll chat with Alex about how Unbounce has moved the needle on their LTV to CAC metric or lifetime value to customer acquisition cost. I'm Lauren Thibodeau, and I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Villa. Welcome to the podcast, Alex. Thanks for having me, Lauren. I'm excited to be here. That's great. Well, welcome, Alex. It, it really is great to have you here and, of course, Unbounce here, so we're excited about that. So before we get into the details, can you sort of describe the context that you operate in, your, your role, and, and maybe what's changed in the last year or so? For sure. So um, I am the vice president of growth at Unbounce. I've been in my role for a little bit over a year, but I come from a background in e-commerce and in sort of growth and digital marketing. So I've always sort of towed the line between those two disciplines, which are very closely interrelated. Um, at Unbounce, I run two main teams, the first one being the, being the acquisition team. So all of our inbound channels and driving as many customers as possible, as profit, profitably as possible. Um, and the customer marketing team. So basically activating, engaging, and you know, rolling out feature adoption to our customers um, as that pertains to marketing channels. So it's an exciting role to be in because I've got great purview over the entire customer journey end to end. Um, but as you might imagine, that just sort of raises the stakes, especially in a year like this past one. So I would say in terms of how things have changed over the past year, I think we can all agree that 2023 has been kind of an odd year. Are we going into a recession? Are we not? Um, are customers spending more money? Is inflation going to slow down? Like what's going on with, with everything? And feel like none of us really know. So it's changed in that the stakes are raised, but I think that it just comes back to the same thing as always in that just needing to keep, you know, keep my eye on the ball and understand how do we drive more customers? How do we do it efficiently? So in that way, it hasn't really changed. Love it. And, and when we were chatting ahead of time, we talked about a metric where you'd really been able to move the needle in your role. And you brought up lifetime value to customer acquisition cost. Can you just take a minute and define that for us? What does that mean? Absolutely. So um, this will probably be a bit of a a bit of a review for, for most of you, but uh, LTV to CAC, the lifetime value on one side is is how much money your average customer makes you over the course of your lifetime. You can measure that in a number of different ways across industries, but for a typical SaaS company, it's the average number of months your customer stays with you multiplied by the average amount they pay you every month. And then on the customer acquisition, the CAC side of that ratio, you've got um, how many customers you drove in a given time frame, um, and you divide well. You divide the total sales and marketing expenditure by that. And what's magical about this particular metric is that um, it's a really good rule of thumb of is my marketing working in a profitable way? And when you're in a SaaS company, if you're driving a an LTV to CAC of three to one, so three dollars of lifetime value per dollar you spend acquiring your customers, uh, you know that you can basically just scale your marketing indefinitely. Um, and it's going to be profitable as long as you keep in that pocket of $3 of lifetime value per dollar you spend acquiring those customers. So I can completely see why in your current role, this is probably the 
the most important, if not um, the only metric that you look at, right? I mean, it can really give you a, a good sense of things. So, so I mean, how how fine is it? How how much has it changed? You know, do you share this metric with the exec team? Do they understand it? Uh, tell us a little bit more about the day to day of this metric. You bet. So that's the other great thing about this metric is internally to our team is sort of our guiding light. It is, you know, you could probably call it our North Star metric as as such. Um, but then it's also a metric that is easily understood across multiple teams and is a metric where different teams link into it in different ways. So, for example, um, you know, depending on your role on a marketing team, sometimes interactions with the finance team can strike trepidation into your heart, but uh, they don't have to because if you are coaching your actions and your strategy in the context of the lifetime value you're driving, and you're showing that you're doing it efficiently, this actually plays right into how um, the finance team looks at marketing. So I've found that it's a great way to build common ground and to, you know, sort of get aligned and, and show that we are in, you know, in pursuit of a common goal with finance, same with product. Um, it's a really easy way to contextualize maybe some of the opportunities that we see in terms of engaging our customers or acquiring them more efficiently. And it's so to answer your question, uh, it's something that comes up for me on a weekly basis, probably on a daily basis, honestly. It's just every conversation I'm having with another leader across the organization, um, I try and make sure that's part of it. Yeah, and I like that idea that it it allows you to communicate with with other teams, right? It is it's it's sort of that common denominator, right? Like the finance team, the exec teams, you know, these are the folks that probably did well in math, uh, you know, in school, and then you know, there's the growth team and the marketing team that you know sh- should be good at math, math. But anyway, so I think using that ratio really helps identify, you know, what's what are we doing and what's really working and how efficient is it. So I think that's a really good. It's not just for yourself; it's also to make sure that everybody else is aligned and understands what's happening in the business. I love that as well. And, and love to dive into the CAC side of that equation. I mean, there's so many parts of it and so many levers you can pull, but let's talk about the, the customer acquisition cost side of it. Um, what kind of improvement were you able to see on, on that metric, that side of the house to start with? For sure. Um, so year over year, we have driven an improvement on our CAC of about 35% to 40%. So wow. pretty, pretty substantial. Yeah. Wow. So, so you have you have lowered you've lowered your CAC by thirty five percent. Correct. Yeah. So, and you're going to tell us like was that because of more leads or because of less spend? Funnily enough, a bit of both, and it's it's fluctuated throughout the year. So, um, on the customer lifetime value side, I think there's a lot of really good pieces to dig into, but we focused on CAC because that was something that was like that my team could directly drive and we could drive relatively quickly without having to involve a lot of stakeholders and really, um, and was something where I felt like we can move the needle immediately. So, so it was a bit of both at the, at the start, it was really about digging into where, like, where are we spending money and understanding sort of channel by channel, how efficiently are we driving new customers? And I don't think that you can really dig into CAC effectively unless you're digging in on that, like at that level. So when I say channels, I mean like like SEO, organic search, paid search, PPC, like paid social, um, you know, affiliate marketing, and just having a good awareness channel by channel of the volume you're driving, the conversion that you're driving from each channel, and then the quality of the leads as measured by um, 
How likely are they to stick around as paying customers? And, and from a, from a, a total cost point of view, like when you're looking at organic CAC, you're looking at like largely uh, salaried uh, costs, um, you know, SEO consultants and, and things like that. Is that right? So that's what you're including there as opposed to in addition to paid advertising costs. Absolutely. So when I say um, LTV to CAC of three to one, I'm talking about on the CAC side, it's like all sales and marketing costs divided by all the customers that you're driving. And the other reason this is so great is it allows you to put a bit of a, a value on organic channels, which is something that I think we as marketers aren't always haven't always had to be the best at and can be a little bit elusive. So once you take into account things like salaries, you know, auxiliary expenses, software costs that you might need um, to improve something like your your site's SEO um, abilities and your SEO rankings, then it, it allows you to look side by side and understand where you can drive the next best value um, of customer. So I've got to ask, and I know I'm hogging the conversation here. Google has Google Analytics has thrown a lot of curveballs over the past probably 18, 18 months. Um, and the speed at which they're pushing new algorithm changes, you know, and 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 how they're combating, you know, generative AI, it's just it's it's enormous. So a lot of companies have really found that their organic channel has been insanely volatile. Have you have you found some some uh, cha- big changes, or have you combated that, or have you found opportunities in how? organic and and uh, non-organic channels have moved over the past you know 12 to 18 months absolutely i mean we've luckily um organic search was a key priority um that we hit the ground running on last year when i joined and we did not know what a slog it was going to be but luckily for us we you know put the right people the right tools in place um and we and we really decided that we wanted to come out swinging aggressively to just crack this channel um, to your point, though, Alan, it's like it, it's been a lot harder than expected. There's been these huge advances in AI. Every anyone can go for, from not knowing not anything about it to being uh, an SEO copy expert uh, with the help of ChatGPT or similar. And and to that end, it's it's just really leveled the playing field. I would say that ultimately things are going to come back around again. I'm a big believer that that good content is the best content. And if you're not actually contributing something helpful, then you're you're getting short term gains, but long term that's not going to pay off. So in our case, we really leaned on the fact that Unbounce has a reputation as a category leader, and a lot of us did come up, you know, in our digital marketing careers, relying on Unbounce for content around CRO and and the ethos around landing pages and so on, and really doubling down on that and making sure we were serving more of that. Um, but so that allowed us to really keep making some small but incremental gains on the organic search side. Um, but as we really dug into paid search, was where we found a lot of a lot of uh, maybe juicier gains to be had, if you will. So we we dug in. Um, it, you know, it can be tempting, especially at my level, to sort of look at paid search overall. Here's much money, how much money we're putting in the top, and here's how much comes at the bottom. But going like almost keyword by keyword or group by group, uh, you start to uncover these patterns and it allows you to make decisions. Like I'm going to spend no more than X percent on branded keywords because you have to, to compete with your competitors, but you want to do that efficiently. And then you can turn your attention toward unbranded keywords and be like, how do we get improvements in efficiency here? And like, what are we doing with our landing pages? Um, What are some like 
what are the next sort of conversion barriers that we can unlock? And it just kind of led us down this path of, you know, what, what are two of our biggest channels and getting some improvements there. So I love this. And, and now that you have the benefit of hindsight looking back, you can probably connect some dots better than you could the other way around. Um, when you think about, you know, you mentioned 35 to 40% kind of reduction in your CAC. You've talked about a couple playbook items, techniques that you use. Like what were some of the biggest ones that led to the biggest gains? Or was it just a collection of incremental little things that led to that? I mean, I would say what's never let me wrong is start at the point of conversion and work your way out from there. So um, in our case, um, we use, we have a, a two-week free trial. So what I'm optimizing toward is maximizing the number of customers that sign up for a free trial because they give their credit card and then we know a certain proportion of those will turn into paying customers down the line. So looking at the at the button they click when they put in their billing info and they and they check out, what can we do there? Um, as it turned out, the checkout was a bit of a a bit of a more complicated project. So we didn't tackle that immediately, but we turned our attention to the next closest thing, which was our pricing page and then the landing pages that we use to land customers coming in from paid search um, and affiliate marketing and such campaigns. So if you start at the checkout button and work your way backwards, you're guaranteed to run into things and you can make that decision then is this this is high impact, but then is it high effort or is it low effort? And then you can pick based on the team you've got in place um, what you're going to do about it. And I've found that that served me really well. What, what about segmentation? Have you found that certain ways of, of segmenting the data have led to better insights? Is it about the customer role? Is it about the company size? Is it about geo? Um, you know, what are you finding is sort of things that matter to unbounce? That's a great point. So Company size has always been a hot topic. I think, you know, being a company that serves up AI-powered optimization solutions, that's something that you can get your hands on as a solo marketer and you can and you can do the work of a, of a larger marketing team. But it's also something that you can use as an individual on a larger marketing team at a bigger company to, to sort of hit above your weight and get, get campaigns launched faster and sort of work in tandem with take take work off of IT's plate that maybe they couldn't be thrilled to be doing for you anyways and do it yourself. So we've you know we've been working through what makes sense in, in that regard and we've kind of been targeting both markets. There's a and there's a way to target smaller customers and there's a way to target people more in the M category of, of SMB. So that was a fancy way of saying we've tried to have it both ways, I think, um, but it, but in different ways and really highlighting different features. So doing a lot of message testing out in the market itself has, especially places like LinkedIn, where you can get really specific about the industry, the org size you're targeting, uh, that gets really exciting. You can see what's landing with who. Um, the other thing is is looking at the type of industry that a customer is in. So being super broad, for example, like a SaaS customer is going to have different needs than an e-commerce customer. But both of them are going to use landing pages. Uh, they may have they may have different goals though. And testing out what kind of messaging resonates best with, for example, e-commerce customers allows us to run a campaign, maybe targeting them ahead of Black Friday in the holiday season, sort of speaking to those insecurities or where they really want to win the day. So, um, I would say further up funnel, I've you know we've really been dialing in on what industries to focus on and then as we get down the funnel we want to look at messaging what makes sense for someone in a smaller org versus what makes sense for someone in a larger one 
That's fantastic. And and as you're talking, I'm wondering again, were there any, you know, major light bulb moments as you were going through this exercise where you're in, wow, that's really working? Or the flip side, any experiments you tried and you went, crap, that really didn't work. I mean, lots of both. I think if you are trying to grow your sales by through experimentation, you have to be willing to face down failure, which of course is not fun for anyone, um, especially for a perfectionist, you're super driven, but you have to do it. So I would say one of the biggest, one of the biggest wins we had was playing around with the CTAs that we use on our homepage, on some of our key landing pages. It's an easy one. It's not particularly innovative. We've all been playing around with the wording on our call to action for, you know, decades, but it's, it just goes to show that sometimes revisiting the fundamentals, even at a company that knows what it's doing and is like deeply embedded in the CRO space, uh, there's there's always room to try something new and there's always room to to see what works with a new group with a new audience segment. Um, as far as what failed, <laughs> we as I said, working backwards from the point of conversion lands you pretty quickly on the pricing page. And so we made some big updates to the pricing page earlier this year. Um, that we didn't like that actually tanked the conversion on that page. And it was interesting, though. It gave us some really inconclusive results, as in fewer people were converting off of that page, but those who were were actually turning into much more valuable customers. So it was like short-term, stop the presses, roll it back. Um, we tried it, now we're going to move on. And then longer term, it's like, how can we how can we incorporate what we learned from that and make you know, make a winning strategy to get more valuable customers without sacrificing conversion rate or what's the inflection point between the two? I mean, we've all we've all toyed with pricing pages and it's a scary area to to, to play around with. But I, I think we we'd, we'd probably you raised an interesting point, which is on the flip side of this equation. Right. And we'd be remiss to say, you know, we're optimizing CAC with no view towards LTV. And the idea that you were able to track a different type of customer that came in that end, ended up being more valuable, or in other words, you know, presumably they had higher retention, you know, they, they produced more LTV. How does, you know, how has some of the learning contributed to that? Because that obviously will take longer to play out. Absolutely. And we didn't really note it. We didn't see it in initially because it showed up in retention rates. So when you got to that three month or six month mark, we're like, wow, this cohort is really robust. Like mm. you can tell who they are because they're, they're just sticking with us longer. So um, it's, so there's, there's sort of two speeds that you have to run with the first. And the one that I think everyone thinks of when they think CRO is like, what's happening immediately. And like, mm. like did this cohort convert and like what plans do they choose? And like, based on the assumptions we have further down the funnel, they should or should not be more lucrative to us. And then the second one is like a much longer cycle of like of a month, three months, longer even, and understanding how well did these customers stick around. And if we can actually make that fundamental shift, it actually makes the shorter cycle much more impactful if you can try and have it both ways. Yeah, and I think that's that's always the the, the balance with this one. You know, how do you how do you balance both? I mean, you know, getting a million people to the website who ultimately churn after a month, you know, is not is not going to really get get the company going anywhere. So having having that lens on quality, I think, is always super super important. Mm-hmm. What was the hardest part? Can you encourage our listeners through the tough part <laughs> tough parts of this uh, journey? What was the toughest part? How'd you get through it? I think the I think the toughest part 
Listen, I would say if the math is the hard part, don't let it put you off. It's really like it, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be as complicated or as simple as you make it. And there's always, you know, there's always someone around who is mathematically uh, curious enough to help you to help you figure out what that is and to put together the right equations for you to figure it out. But um, it's it's if you understand the concepts behind conversion rate and the concepts behind, you know, customer lifetime value, it's very easy to multiply the two together to understand what the expected incremental is is per customer that you drive. And don't let that deter you from experimenting. The second part is like, even if it's a big one, even if it's like precious to the company, if if your research keeps bringing you back to one spot, maybe it's the pricing page, maybe it's the checkout, maybe it's even the customers that, that the, you collectively as a company have decided to target, don't shy away from from bringing that up. A tough conversation, but it's absolutely worth having. So let's let's stay with that for a second. So what does you know? You're you're looking at at CAC to LTV as as part of your team's uh, uh, mantra. Um, you know, there is this culture of obviously having to experiment with things and to segment things. You know, what does what does your team look like? You know, do you have folks on the team that are you know, quants. Um, do you have a culture that is open to failure and experimentation? So, what is what is what do you need to support this this whole initiative? Absolutely. I mean, we're lucky at Unbounce. I think that the curiosity is is just so deeply infused in the culture here. So, in that sense, uh, you know, we're hitting a home run, but we're kind of starting on second base because the culture just enables this go forth and, and figure it out. And what, what could we do? And like nothing, nothing's off limits, which makes it much easier to run a team like mine. Um, I would say as far as, as data and, you know, as data literacy goes, that's, I kind of expect my team to be there. I don't expect them to come in data literate, but I expect them to leave data literate. And, you know, I'm here to help them. We've got a revenue operations team to help with some of the deeper, more like quant-like stuff. Um, but the model that we really take as self-serve is that you should all be able to go and get the reports you need. And if you can't, like we need to get you set up with those so that you can access those and make sense of them as a business user. It's that simple. Fantastic. That culture of curiosity. I love that. Hit a home run starting on second base. That's awesome. Uh, any last words of advice for people, colleagues looking to move the needle on a key metric? I mean, it's going to sound really trite, but it's like, just get started. Just pick one thing, set up a test, start communicating that that this is something that you think you can optimize, but you're not sure. And, and just go for it. You'd be surprised what you can do if you if you start experimenting with some of these high impact areas, your landing pages, your homepage, your pricing page, you would be shocked what you can do with a few small changes. And you might also be shocked at what was considered sacred that actually really doesn't move the needle. So just get started. Alex, thank you so much, uh, everybody. Alex uh, Nazarevich, VP Growth Marketing at Unbounce. Uh, Alex, this has been fantastic having you on board. And I, I love the idea of just having that curiosity and that will to get started, because that is how you're going to learn. You're going to fail and you're going to grow and uh, you're going to make some successful moves. Thanks again. If you you. enjoyed today's conversation about metrics and data, be sure to check out Metric HQ, our online resource for the metrics that matter most to you and your business.